Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. During the 60s and the early 70s, as the war in Vietnam threatened its borders, a new music scene emerged in Cambodia that took Western rock and roll and stood it on its head, creating a sound like no other. Cambodian musicians crafted the sound from various rock music styles, sweeping America, England, and France, adding their unique melodies and hypnotic rhythms to their traditional music. The beautiful singing of the renowned female vocalist became the final touch that made this mix so enticing. Don't Think I've Forgotten, Cambodia's Lost Rock and Roll. Wonderful documentary about this period of time in Cambodia uh, and also about all the circumstances surrounding it. And and I can't wait to talk to uh, the director of this new film, John Parazzi. John, welcome to Film School. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, just a, a re- remarkable uh, story, remarkable period of time in a in a in a country where that had been for so many years idyllic and undisturbed uh and just a one seemed like a wonderful place to be and and then so much turmoil and in it this mix of music and culture and all kinds of things that were going on uh tell me a little bit about how you came to know about this rather relatively obscure uh area of segment of the music world and your decision to to make a documentary about it well i um visited cambodia for the first time in 2001 to work on a um a different film actually a film that matt dillon directed called city of ghosts and uh going to phnom penh and spending four months there working on matt's film um i got to know the city and i got to read a lot about the history and um discovered that there had been, you know, a modern aspect to Cambodia that most people here didn't really know about. And um, the other strange thing about that was that there was really no visual representation of it anywhere. There were no other films about it. Um, Even very little printed material existed, which, you know, struck me as kind of odd, considering we're not talking about that long ago. Um, But then once I heard the music... um, that really took me because it was so unique, yet so um, familiar at the same time, and there seemed to be so much of it, and the quality was so great. So, you know, I started asking questions about the music, and there really wasn't much information out there at all, really, at the time. So um, between the history of the country itself just being so fascinating and the music being so good, I, I started to move forward to make the film, uh, not knowing what we were going to find or if we'd even be able to really tell the story in a complete way. Well, it, it, uh, were you, are you a person given to, I mean, were you into, you're kind of a musicologist of sorts, or you just, it was just, the music just struck you in such a, 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 a powerful way? I'm certainly not a trained musicologist. I'm just somebody who loves music a lot, and yeah. I've done a lot of uh, film related projects you know that involved film uh, music in the past so um so for me to you know do a documentary about music was sort of a natural thing in some ways 
and um, and I had been shooting a lot of documentaries too at that point as a as a uh, cinematographer. So the whole process of making the film or making a documentary film was something that I knew how to do. But certainly, this film had uh, so many different obstacles that you know were very unique to the project. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give a lot away um, about uh, some of the people in it and and the trajectory of their, not only their career, but their life. Um, But it's important. I think people have to understand a little bit of history in the context here. Let's go back uh, to the late 60s. The United States was heavily involved in the war in Vietnam. Uh, There were troops from the north that were using parts of Laos and a trail. They called the Ho Chi Minh Trail along Cambodia into into South Vietnam. It was a contested, obviously contested by the U.S. military. But let's put in context Cambodia as sort of a neutral party slash had no interest in being in, involved in, in any sort of conflict. Talk to us a little bit about the circumstances leading that, that were an integral part of the development of the culture in Cambodia. Um, well, in terms of in terms of the culture, or in terms of the war. Well, I, I mean, you, though you can't tell the story without talking about the the context of of the of the circumstances of the scene, and, and obviously seeing. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, Cambodia and Vietnam have always sort of had a contentious relationship, and um, oh, you know, a long time ago, some twelve hundred years ago. Uh, the Khmer people, the Cambodian people, actually ruled all of Southeast Asia. So um, they have a long history of sort of swapping land and borders. And uh, um, initially, when the, the Cambodian king asked the French to come in to, to make Cambodia protectorate some hundred some years ago, it was because Vietnam was encroaching in Cambodia's territory. So. Um, that history goes back a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in terms of the U.S. involvement and the war, um, I think a big issue for Cambodia was just not being able to really defend its border and not being able to keep what was coming in out. So in some ways, they were their hands were tied. Um, right, well, I guess... And eventually, you know... Yeah, and eventually they get pulled. In. I guess what I, but I, my point is, is they had relatively speaking, my my sort of memory of Cambodia was uh, a very passive sort of society, not interested in sort of military, uh, um, very much at least. It didn't seem like they were they were essentially defenseless. It seemed. Uh, to well, me. that's it's true that Prince Sihanouk, who controlled the country from. You know, the early '50s up until 1970, put a lot of stock into developing the country in terms of education and the arts, and not so much in terms of developing the military. So, um, when the war did tumble into into their country, there wasn't really a lot he could do to to prevent it from from sort of penetrating into inside Cambodia. So, so his promoting of the arts is, is, is again, it's an important part of the story behind uh, Don't Think I've Forgotten Cambodia's, Cambodia's Lost Rock and Roll. This is part of why they were able, these musicians and these artists were able to, uh, to thrive. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the film really is, is sort of two-pronged in a way because yeah. it is really telling the modern history of the country through, through music and through the arts. Right. 
which are so important, I think, to any culture, but in, um, it's certainly true in Cambodia that music is a, a really important part of daily life there. Um, from from being born to being married to dying, it's there's always music involved in in all their you know all their rituals and all their ceremonies. Um, and and the way sort of modern music came into the country and the way it developed and and really caught fire and and you know became so popular is uh, to me it's a, it's a really interesting story because Cambodia was such a small country as well. I mean we're not talking about a very large country, right? So um, it's a very unique situation, I think. We're speaking with the director, John Parazzi. His, his film is Don't Think I've Forgotten, Cambodia's Lost Rock and Roll. By the way, you can find out about this by going to uh, dtifcambodia.com. That would be the website for the film, uh, and you can find out more about it. You can purchase uh, the soundtrack. Let's talk about some of the artists, because they're just it's some super cool music. I can see why you were so drawn to it. Definitely has a... a you can see the cultural influence of it, but there's a there's a spirit to it. There's a uh, that's really cool. Tell me a little bit about some of the artists that uh, people uh, will learn about uh, in the film. Well, the first artist that, that that whenever people talk about this period and this music, that is usually referenced is uh, a, a gentleman named Sin Sissamut, yeah. and um, he was a songwriter and a singer, and he's still today considered to be the greatest popular singer that Cambodia has ever produced, and he's still loved and, and his music is still listened to um, throughout the country. Um, his his story is kind of interesting in that it really sort of mirrors the whole popular music scene that started in the, in the mid-50s and went right up until the Khmer Rouge takeover in 75. He came to Phnom Penh as a, as a teenager to go to university in, in the early 50s. He became a singer. He was on national radio. The queen herself just sort of discovered him and brought him, him to the palace. Uh, he went on to be a, um, a crooner and a big band singer. And then when rock and roll started to to come into the country in the early 60s, he seemingly effortlessly switched into rock and roll gear and was able to do that really well as well. So his uh, he was able to really adapt to whatever style was popular at the time and made an incredible amount of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah so, just... yeah, he's definitely somebody people really... People know when they when they speak about Cambodian music. People who know the music, he'd be the first person to come to mind. And what is and what? And there's a number of other artists. But what I was struck by in watching, uh, don't think I've forgotten, is the uh, amount of women who were participating in this scene at that time. Um, which I don't know. I, I one other, just one little aspect. I think people need to understand about Cambodia. You you, you touched on it. The, the French were uh, they, the French at one time pretty much colonized the what they call Indochina, which was Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, uh, and, and Vietnam, Thailand, and there was a heavy sort of this is one of the one of the sort of cultural touchstones in this music is the sort of a little bit of the French influence, but also I I don't know how strong women were, you know in terms of their ability to be artists and singers. But it seems like in, in this particular rock and roll scene in Cambodia, they certainly had a strong voice. Yeah, the women singers are really fantastic. And I think one in particular is Rosemary Satia. Um, her voice is just so, you know, so powerful and so much an instrument. It sort of goes beyond just a normal voice. You know, every once in a while you come across these singers who have this vocal ability that sort of transcends just normal singing. 
um, she certainly possessed that. I think I think also for the female singers, I mean, honestly, I don't think it was considered to be the most, you know, prestigious or um, proper profession for women to be having back at that time. So a lot of the women tended to come from very humble origins. Um, a lot of them were from, uh, you know, uh, poor families, farming, rice farming families, and in some ways their ability to sing was a way out from that life. Um, but they did have incredible voices, and they also had a complete system in Cambodia that included songwriters and composers and, of course, record companies. And uh, there was really a whole infrastructure that developed to produce, you know, a, a fair amount of music. What Was that a direct influence on the part of Prince Yanuk, or was there, was that, had been in place for a, a long time? No, I think, you know, the country changed greatly when, when Sihanouk, um, when independence happened in 53. He had been placed on the throne, I believe it was 1949, 48, 49. He was only 18 years old, and the French thought he'd be very uh, malleable to what they wanted, but you know, it was after the Second World War. There was a lot of um, reorganizing throughout the entire world. You know, after the war and all these colonial powers sort of being in a state of disarray. Um, and, of course, Vietnam fighting the French fiercely for independence. So CNF just saw an opportunity to, um, to, to get Cambodia's independence. And uh, I think the French, you know, agreed to it fairly easily, unlike in neighboring Vietnam. Um, so, you know, Sinek being an artist himself, not just a patron of the arts, but actually an artist, singer, composer, a filmmaker, I think that also, you know, for young Cambodians who wanted to pursue the arts, it was sort of a, um, yeah. you know, a great thing to see that their king and their leader was someone who was doing this. So I think it, it sort of allowed a lot of people to go in that direction. Well, and but they also was, there was also a lot of state support for the arts. They had singing costumes contests throughout the country where they would find the best singers and bring them to the capital. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely embedded into the whole thing that he was doing at the time. And I think it's important to point out as well as the queen herself was an artist. So you had this sort of couple of, you know, at the top of the the leadership in the country, men and a man and a woman who were, as you said, they were they were invested in promoting the arts and, and culture in the country. Yeah, and as you see in the film, I mean, it's the royal family has a long history of being patron of the arts and artists themselves. I mean, Sihanouk's father was also a musician, so it, it dates back. I mean, it goes back. Um, and, and royal court music is a big part of the royal family, too, and it's a very important tradition to, to Cambodia. So, um, yeah, it's special. I mean, I think they... I think the Cambodians get it. They really value music, and they understand its importance to society. And I think, um, you know, they're right on for doing that. I mean, it's it's music is so important. And I think, you know, the one thing the film I was hoping would do was sort of showing how music transcends borders and how for the musicians who, who you know, were inspired by Western music, it was just a natural thing for them. It wasn't... You know, for them, when I spoke to them, interviewed them, it wasn't like they felt like they were doing anything that incredible. It was like, this is what we do. We're musicians. We love music. It doesn't matter where it comes from. If it if it speaks to us, it speaks to us. So, 
Yeah, um, we're, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with uh, John Parazzi. He is the director. He's the shooter, right? You shot a lot of this. You edited it. Uh, a lot of a lot of hats on this film. Um, and I want to congratulate you again on it. Uh, don't think I've forgotten Cambodia's Lost Rock and Roll. Uh, you can check out all of the stuff we're talking about as well as where you can see the film, how you can go about getting the soundtrack, and you go to DTIF Cambodia, C-A-M-B-O-D-I-A dot com. Um, and one of the strengths of this film is that it is about the music scene. It is about these remarkable artists who um, operated uh, in a very turbulent time in Cambodian history, and many of them uh, were dealt the full force of the regressive and dictatorial Khmer Rouge. Um, and this film is is uh, a, a great way to see Cambodian history in 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 a it just is sort of I wouldn't say sneaky, but it's a clever way of introducing our, our the the viewer into this chapter in world history that we know we kind of know about Cambodia and we know about the killing fields but we don't really understand much more than the headlines that went along with that um, and so you did a great job in bringing us through this story in in a very accessible way and I congratulate you on that thanks thank you yeah you know I, I think um, you know what happened in Cambodia the Khmer Rouge years is so devastating and so tragic, and it, it needed to be, um, you know, examined just for that aspect of the country's history alone, and that's happened. There's been a lot of documentaries and films about it, and I think they're really important. But I think in all of that, you sort of, you know, what gets lost is what was lost and what was special and unique about the country. So, you know, with this film, we're coming at it from sort of a different angle, Um but not, you know, it was a little bit of a balancing act in the editing room. At the same time, you can't, you have to deal with the Camaros and give them their due in some respect. So the balancing of the history of the country and the music and and the dark days was, you know, a little tricky to get right. Well, I think, and, and it's you, just as you have said, it's that it, it is important. Well, one of the things that I think sets don't think I've forgotten apart from other documentaries about this is that you have brought you've introduced a, a much more human element into it. It's easy to it's easy to kind of recount the horror of the Khmer Rouge and the impact it had on the people and talk about the sort of statistical kind of uh, view of what happened and the grim statistics of all of that and the geopolitical stuff, but by introducing us to these artists and their lives and the people in their lives and the impact it had, uh, it makes it more real and more accessible. Yeah, no, that, yeah that, that's a really good observation. I, I mean, that's exactly what I was going for. I didn't want it to be a statistical film, because I do think that, that those tend to, those kind of films tend to, um, you know, the, it's harder for the audience to, connect in an emotional way, which I think is important and necessary. Um, so, yeah, that was certainly something that was, from day one, was something you know I was setting out to, to not do and, and to, to get the emotion right and the human connection to the story right as well. Yeah. In, in just the last minute I've got with you, John, I want to just let people know 
um, where now the film is still screening around the country, but it's sort of the initial run. It sounds like it's, I mean, where are we going to be able to see the film uh, on a pay-per-view or VOD, or is it still uh, rolling around the country as well? Talk us a little. Yeah, about. you know, I, 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 I love seeing movies in theaters. Okay. I kind of grew up that way. <laughs> and, I, uh, and so when we had the, when we've gotten all this theatrical opportunities across the country is just so great. And it's also a music documentary. So yeah. not only seeing it in the theater, but hearing it in the theater with a good sound system uh, is really important to me. We put a lot into the sound mix uh, as well as the visuals. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely be coming to VOD and to iTunes and the rest of it um, probably mid to late fall once our theatrical run has had its course. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. I, w- I have... Uh been had I've had my eye on trying to get you on and I'm thankful that you were able to find time today I know it was kind of a short notice and I really appreciate you being on and uh it's just a wonderful film and just a kind of a, a chapter in, in the human story that uh, is uh, is is just a it's just a great way to to see what happened and why and the tragedy but also the hope and the the dreams of these people all of it. It's a. It's a. It's a, It covers the the spectrum of uh, of the whole uh, time uh, that took place in Cambodia. So, congratulations on that, and and all the best on moving forward. Thank you. Great. Thanks. No, it was really nice of you to. And I think you really picked up on a lot of what was important to me in making the film. So, uh, it was really great to talk to you about it. All right, John. Well, uh, next project. I hope you can find some time. I'd love to have you back on. Thank you. Sounds good. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.